Hey guys, I'm your host Smita Kanturi and welcome to Journey Podcast, your weekly podcast on transformational journeys. Hello everybody, I have Jesse Sanchez with me today. He is better known as One More Sanchez. He is Austin-based Texas native who is the host of Dragon Dragging the Line podcast. I'm sorry about that. Dragging the Line podcast. Jesse is a firm believer that everything has happened to him growing up has eventually led him to share his one of a kind story. Jesse knows what it feels like to hit the rock bottom. He has lived it, survived it and had strength to raise above it. During Jesse's lifetime, he has overcome physical and sexual abuse along with learning disabilities and becoming legally blind all while navigating his way through a career, marriage and everyday life. Thank you for being here Jesse. Welcome to the show and please go ahead and talk about your story. Thank you thank you again for having me. So um it's a pleasure to be on the show and, and today I'm I'm here to let everyone know that with tragedy life is hard but at the end of the day you do see light at the end of the tunnel. Uh for me I happened to catch it at a at a very late age but it it, it goes back and it dates back to when I was a child, you know, um in my early, you know, between 8 or 9 I I witnessed my father uh, physically abused my mom. You know, there was times where he was, he was an alcoholic. So he would hit her with a broom, pull her hair. And so I witnessed that at a very, very early age. Um, one of the stories that, that really sticks out and I talk about it is, uh, one time I was hungry and he, I just remember I was like five years old and I ate some food and left it just, it was pudding. Actually, I to this day, I still don't eat pudding. And uh, he got upset and actually burned my hand um, in the fire, which I still kind of have a, a scar. Um, never understood as to why my mom, you know, didn't call the cops or, or you know, I, I never asked that at an early age. As, as I became a teenager, uh, around 11, 12, my parents finally got divorced. My mom had a, which is my brother, we're five years apart. And my mother started dating my dad's cousin. So that's on top of everything. Uh, my, my father gets us that leaves to Mexico when I was 12. So this was like in 1992. During that time, my middle school ages, I started to learn that I was very angry. I had learning disabilities because learning kind of became, you know, once you're in middle school, the subject matters are really difficult. And for I mean, even to this day, like if I try to read a paragraph, it's just very difficult. And so I would make jokes in school to 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 make myself feel better. Um, I stated, you know, the positive things on that as a teen that made me kind of live life was I played sports. I played soccer. Um, I fought a lot in school. So anger was something that very triggered, you know, um, at eight years old when when I got physically um molested it was a family friend so it wasn't it wasn't a family member it was a family friend um i remember telling my mom but the reason why i didn't tell my parents was because he kept saying hey if you say something you know your dad's gonna hit you so he used that to that advantage so it was more fear than anything else uh the day i the day i told my mom he um she called my dad and and, and the guy was there and I mean, my dad beat him really, really bad. Like I remember just the cops having him and he hit him with the, with the weight equipment, like really bad. Um, so every year when he would do, when he would come up for parole, 
I remember I used to have to write letters saying what happened. And I was always, always upset. And I always blamed my parents. But there was just something in me at that age that I knew that I had to keep, keep, keep moving, that there was more than life. I just didn't know what yet. So high school, same thing, learning disability. You know, I, I never did drugs because my parents would always drug test me. So they always kept me in line with that, but it was just very under a bubble. My, my mom, after that happened, she, you know, poor, my poor brother, he couldn't do anything after that. So they, she kept us really close uh, with us. So my stepfather, who now is like my father, you know, I, I, I grew up in a, and, and I respected him as a man. I appreciated and a lot of this story comes from him uh, to feel comfortable. So we, we're good now, but growing up, I didn't see that. You know, I was like, you were the reason why my father left, not knowing that it was actually the best thing, but it happens. So high school graduation, now, you know, now it's the working world. Now you go to school. I'm still angry. You know, I, I've always had anger. And um, anytime I'm angry because I fought a lot, I would see his face. And when I would see his face, it helped me to not fear someone and be able to fight and very aggressively. So that wasn't good. I knew that that wasn't good because I knew that if one day it kept continuing, I would either be in jail or I'll die. Uh, I, I started dating my high school sweetheart. We dated for 11 years uh, in my 20s. It was unhealthy. You know, um, I cheated the whole time. Uh, her mom passed away at a very early age. I made fun of her, you know, because I stopped talking to my parents. So she would say, you know, you didn't talk to your parents. And I would say, well, at least my mom's living. It was very unhealthy, but we didn't know. We just thought that that was what love was. I always had a saying back in the day that pain was love. So if you're in pain, you love someone. That's the way I lived. Uh, when I turned 29, I had lost everything, job, the fiance, we were engaged. She had told me that uh, she had three abortions because she didn't want, she didn't want me to be like my father. And that killed me. Um, I, I turned to drugs to, to numb. My drug of choice was cocaine. Um, before I turned 30, I met my, which is my wife now. And um, during that time, she was, she was telling me, you know, you can change. I see something in you. Uh, but, you know, the drugs took over. I was going blind. I actually um, have what's called keratoconus, which I needed a cornea transplant. So with contacts, I can see. Without, I, I'm legally blind. Like, they'll take my driver's license, which that happened. So it was just all, like, in the worst time. Now, the day that I always mentioned that I knew that my life turned was, and I'll never forget, I was driving with a friend. We get in an accident. The car that hit us ran into a ditch, comes out and pulls a shotgun on my friend. He was the driver. I was a passenger. I remember that I got out of the, the passenger side and I hit this guy running the hardest ever. He hit the ground, got back up and put the shotgun on me. And he goes, and I said, kill me, I'm ready to die. I actually cussed, I don't know if we can cuss in here. But I said, kill me, and I grabbed the gun and I put it in my chest, I said, I'm ready to die. And I was, I was literally, I had nothing to live for. Uh, I can never do that now, 
you know, I don't know what happened. You know, I'm not the same person. But that day told me that something was wrong with me and something had to change. I am able to tell the story and I'm able to feel this certain way. And I owe this all to my wife. My wife has helped me in so many ways that I thought love couldn't exist. She saw, you know, the career man. Uh, as I'm, you know, still blind and every year sometimes the eyes get worse, I still work hard. And, and, and with my learning disability, I work twice as hard. When I get the material to learn for training, I stay up late. So I figured how to work those part of life, but it's because of her who's actually helped me do it. So as I'm telling the story today, the one thing that I want everyone to know is that as a parent, you know, please don't, don't be so hard on your kids. If, if you see it, if, you know, my mom said this, cause we, we talked about this on the podcast. If you mother instinct or your father instinct think that something ain't right, start looking because she, she said that she had a feeling, but she didn't know that there was something, she knew that something wasn't right as a mother. And uh, that's something that she wanted to share. For me, if you have anger issues, channel it in different ways, you know, use it for boxing, but do not use it in a negative way. You know, there's many people now that have guns, there's, t you know, there's technology and everyone's going to see, you can't get away with it like you could back in the early 2000s. So that, 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 that was, that's my story. And um, I just hope that people can share it, treasure it, and just know that everything happens for a reason and, and there's positive. You, you'll find it. You just, even though it's late, but one day you'll find it. And um, before, I, before I end that, that part of it, uh, two weeks ago, I actually was able to talk to my real father and um, I confronted him. I said, you know, why did you leave me? Why did you do all this? And his answer was because it was your mother's fault. And what bothered me the most is I'm like, you left 20 years ago. When are you, why would you blame my mom? Like you left your kids, you went to another country, you lived your life. And I wanted him to look at me in my face. And in the, I'm Mexican, in the Spanish culture, you know, your father wants to be Bravo. And I told him in Spanish, I said, look at me, don't be a coward, be a man. He couldn't even look at me. That was the last thing that I needed. I had told everybody how I felt. And up to two weeks ago, when I was able to tell my father this, just because I'm, you know, with me sharing the story with me having a podcast, everything's off my shoulders. I, I just feel better. He was the last person that was in the back of my head that I was able to, he knows where I stand and I'm glad to be able to say it and not be disrespectful and not be violent or not to see him cry. That, that, made, that, that made my day um, two weeks ago. The question that I have, first one, uh, when you mentioned about your childhood, uh, physical abuse towards your mother and you witnessed that, the reason that I wanted to ask this question is my son witnessed those things through me when my husband was doing it to me. Mm -hmm. At that age, uh, it was the exact age that my son has, this, uh, has to go through those things. Now that you being matured are like thinking about those scenarios, what was it like to you in that situation? How did you actually, you said you were having a lot of anger issues. Even I see that in my son too. He has a lot of anger issues. 
but okay. I'm really close to him. I talked to him so good. It was there for a bit. I can see it when he was going through the issues in school or like, yeah, he was not really performing. Not that he's bad at education or anything. He's a very good stellar student, but still there are times that he did not perform and he don't want to do anything. He's angry at everything. He just punch out of things and then he just walks away and things like that. Mm-hmm. When you are actually telling that, what was your mindset like at that point of time and thinking about it today, or like even when you turned your life to the other side and feel like, yes, I have to better my life. What was your mindset then and now? What did you actually learn from it? That, that's a really good question and thank you. Um, not being able to control it, not, not being able to hit my father because I knew that if my mom was getting it, I was going to get it too. So that was kind of fear, but I knew I wanted to. And I knew that one day, because I can remember it, even talking about it, I said, one day I'm going to get you back. And I'm going to say, when I was eight years old, this is your payback. So I always wanted that. And I never, because he left. So I had that anger. It was hard for me to control it. You know, there was times where I, I, what's the best way I can explain it? For me, crying was a weakness. And I never wanted people to know that I was weak. So I channeled the anger or I would make myself madder in my head so that I would no one would ever see me cry. How was I able to control it? Um, now it's just more, now that I have everything in the air and that I'm able to talk about it, 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 it was hard because it took a lot. You know, um, you, you got to get on medication. You got to make sure you have to put work in it. It's just not going to come naturally. Uh, but at that age, from eight years old to teenager, you know, I, I, I think I grew up really fast. And I asked, I would ask myself, not my mom, like, mom, what's wrong with you? Like, yep. you know, like, I remember me telling my mom, he burnt me. Like, doesn't he got to go to jail? Like, I knew this at a certain age, but I don't know what happened. Like, I, I, I could never, you know, I could never change the, the past, but that caused a lot of anger. You know, um, you said something really good and, and, and I do want to acknowledge that. You became really close to your son where for me and my mom, we separated. I, I went in my twenties, I went nine years without talking to my mom at all. I disassociated myself with every family. The only reason why I talk to my family now is because of my wife. She said, I will not date or marry anyone that cannot talk to their mom because there's only one mom. Yep. And and since that day now we're close, you know, we lost the nine years, but that is something I do want to tell you is that there'll be times where maybe your son maybe wanted to pull away, but you had the strength and you pulled it away. So that's good because you, you will feel like you're alone when you have no one. And I felt like that at eight years old. So it carried with me for a very long time. You also men- mentioned that you are sexually molested. I don't uh-huh. know what you are comfortable. If you are comfortable, I just wanted to ask. No, no, no. Very comfortable with everything. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm. So when you are mentioning that, and you also mentioned that it's a family person, and uh, what was it like to go through that kind of an experience uh, with a known person that you trust inside the family? And again, this question is coming from my personal experience, because I have gone through these kind of experiences with my own uncles in my house. Mm-hmm. So... Did you ever go back to him, talk to him or confront him about like, why, why did it happen to you? No, 
Um, because once once he got released from jail, he they shipped him back to Mexico. But he, my parents almost adopted him like a kid. So he lived with us. He was really young. I think he was like 18 or 19. So it was almost like an adopted big brother. Um, I, I felt that nothing was right. You know, I was like, what, what what's going on? And I think about it when I went back then, how very detailed it was. And, and I forgot to even mention this. My father, uh, in the summertime, when we would go visit him in Mexico, he made me sleep with prostitutes because he didn't want me to, to think that because that happened to me that I would have been homosexual. So growing up, I had that fear. So that was on even on top of that. So me and my brother did that and, and it, it, it's, it's, it's hurt us. It, it made me a womanizer, which made me, you know, just do everything. And what I think about this story now is that I have a lot of friends that are homosexual. It, it, it doesn't bother anymore. It doesn't make me feel that way because now I, maybe I needed to go through that to, to acknowledge that. And, and with tech, they're actually the reason, you know, people now coming out and being able to be yourself has helped me been able to say this story, especially being a, a Mexican American, a minority, because none of my family knew this until three months ago, four months ago, because we kept everything, everything really quiet. Even my co-host never knew. And so my mom think, you know, I, I thought my parents were going to be my mom. I thought she was going to be upset. And she said, I'm proud of you, son. You know, my wife was very uh, scared. She said, are you sure this is what you want to do? And I said, yes. And, and they all supported me. So to kind of go back to the, the thing that I wish I had the opportunity to, you know, there was times where I wanted him dead. You know, I wanted, I wanted to kill him. You know, I wanted to hire someone in Mexico and, but I can, I could never find him, And I never, you know, I, I wish I could. And that's the one thing, you know, but it's probably best that way, you know, for, especially for me, because I think I could, flip again. Why did you choose to tell your story? Like up until three months back, you never spoke about it. But three months before what happened? Or why did you change your mind to talk about your story? It, good question. It was a reason of the podcast, you know, the podcast was built for me to tell my story because of my learning disability, I could never write a book. Because I don't read books because I don't understand them or I don't have the patience to write. So I knew that words are strong. And now words for me are stronger than fists. You know, somebody can say something and it'll hurt. Where back then, I'd rather you hit me because it's fast and easy. So that gave me the tools necessary to share the story. And again, it's because a lot of people are coming out, you know, it, it, it's starting to become an awareness of things. You know, it's not, it's not so like, hush anymore and so I, I thought you know this doesn't happen to a lot of people let me share the story um i've had really close friends come to me and say thank you i you made you made me go talk to my parents about this and that's all i wanted i didn't i didn't want any money i don't want to become rich of it i just want people to share their story before they pass because if i would have not ever shared this story and passed away i don't have any kids i, I lived for no reason there was no legacy of Jesse Sanchez or who it was. At least I can go out saying, you helped someone, you made someone different. And, and that, that that's the goal uh, long-term for this story. Okay. 
being a male figure, let's just say uh, for a female to come out and talk about these things, I don't say it is easy for any gender to go through this kind of trauma or even to talk about it. But for the society stigmas, people look at the female like, okay, they can talk about anything that happened to them. As you mm-hmm. mentioned before, like, yeah, crying will make you look weak, so you don't want to cry, and you channeled it through your anger. Mm-hmm. But a female, usually, like, if they wanted to cry, they would cry. They don't really care about that manning up stigma or any of it. So mm-hmm. you being a male figure in the society, you wanted to tell your story out. What was your mindset like when you decided to tell your story, but you still are afraid or like you just decided, yes, I have to talk about it? No, I I was very afraid. Um, I remember when I released it in the podcast, I kind of wanted to take it back. And uh, I let my my co-host, which is my cousin, I was like, hey, look, you, you keep it like it's out there, please. But up until that moment, my heart started racing because I knew that's out. I could never take it out. Um, I was afraid of what was going to happen. You know, I didn't want, I was afraid, well, maybe my brother would be ashamed because we're ta- we, we, we put the family out there. I thought my mom was going to be upset because she didn't want to, she didn't want to uh, admit that we didn't talk a lot, you know, or my wife. I was more concerned about my wife because she takes care of me. I didn't want you know, because we never told people about the learning disability. We never told people about the blindness. I just kept it, you know, pe- people at work would make fun of me. You know, they were like, ah, you can't see. They knew, but I never let that keep me because every time I was like, I'm better. And so the motivation of that is every time I put my contacts on, it's my second chance in life to take advantage. And so me sh- sharing the story made it easier but i was scared you know i i i was afraid and and i've gotten very negative um people feedback saying that i wanted attention or making fun of me for that i knew that that was going to be part of the game i i knew that going in there but you know there's going to be more positive than negative And, and at the end of the day if i was able to share this story and it's already out there then i know that this is going to be a new chapter in my life without channeling anger without channeling you know um shame i have no shame because i didn't do it but the whole time i thought i did like it wasn't my fault i couldn't control this and so it made it a little bit easy to share that if i may ask was it a one-time thing or like is that a period of time that it happened to you i i I thought i was nine years old so uh this happened over a year. So this was plenty of many times. Uh, my mom said that it was at eight years old when I when I confessed. So I would say it was probably a year, year and a half. So I was seven, eight years old when that happened. And and I forgot that I went to therapy. My mom took me I, that all that part of my life. I just blurred out. I don't remember. Now that you spoke about your story and you are up to giving a message. How did your family or any other people around you? I mean, as as you just mentioned, negative comments are always there. But the rest of the people, how encouraging they are, are like how good do you feel within yourself with the family that you have? Is the bonding become better or like what is that experience like? Um, I haven't talked to my family. You, you know, my immediate family, yes. Um, my 
father, who was my stepfather, we haven't really had that conversation, but I know he's proud. You know, um, my brother has reached out and said, Hey, I'm proud of you. Like now, now you can, now you can live. Now you're, now you're fine. My mother, but again, I, I just wanted, I just wanted my wife to be happy. That, that, that's, that was it because without her, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be here today and I wouldn't be able to share it. So she was the one I wanted that, that okay with. She was the one that I can look at and make me feel secure for one time in my life. I feel like, okay, you're the strong one and I have to maintain it. So that was, that was the icing on the cake is for her to feel safe, to let, for her to make me feel like it was okay. That, that, that took a lot. And, um, I don't even think I told her that I was going to say it until two days before it came out because I was afraid that maybe she didn't want it to come out. And she said, no, you did the right thing. So she didn't know until like two days. And, um, she actually told her parents, you know, Hey, I want to let you know that this story is going to come out. So we, we gave people a heads up before, (laughs) but I teach everything to kids who listen, especially to my, to my uh, goddaughter, who's a junior. So she's 17. I said, Hey, you be careful, you know, having fun. Things happen. Things are crazy. Guys are crazy. So I, 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 I'm able to give that story to kids that are, you know, in my family that are growing up and they kind of listen. They're, they, they're scared. They're like, Oh, uncle Jesse, that really happened. I said, absolutely. Absolutely. So be careful, be careful. That's, that's absolutely great to hear. Like you are able to guide this generation with your story today, just to make them feel safe or like what kind of a precautions they have to take. Like now when I talk about even my story or like anybody's story hearing your story right now, Usually I hear people talk about these stories as if it's some sort of statistics. Like the people talk about it like, yeah, uh, one out of four girls are getting sexual abuse before the age of 12. And the same goes with uh, one out of five boys are sexually molested before age of 12. When I hear about that statistics, I feel like asking, are we really like just numbers? Are we numbers just for somebody to give up a statistic? So what I feel is like more than you talking about after measures of like, okay, I have gone through therapy. I have, I can go to a coach and get myself better. What kind of a preventive measure that you can uh, propose to other people saying like, okay, take care of your children. But this is what the preventive measure that you can think of. So is there anything that you can think in that line? Yeah, I, I say that if, if you're at a certain age where you're an adult and you know that this happened, uh, just know that it's not your fault. Just know that it was unpreventable. Uh, don't look at it as a number. You know, it, it, being numbered or being associated or victim, that's one thing I don't like. I, 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 I dislike that a lot. I, I don't want to say hate, but it's something that, that's not fair because we don't know what happened. You know, things happen. But self-care, you know, find, find someone you trust, someone that you can rely on, someone, you know, professional help. You're not going to be able to do this by yourself. You know, I, I thought that I can, you know, overcome this and take it to the grave. You're not going to be healthy. You know, when, when I used to work and then come home, I would go to sleep crying and say, is this the person that I am? Is this what God gave me? Is this 
really? This is this is this is it, Jesse. Like, this is it. All that's gone. All that is gone. So, by you know, my one advice is, don't look at the numbers. Remember that a lot of people have gone through things, and it not might be sexual, it might have been physical. Find help. Find help. Get professionally help. Or, or find someone that can help you. It's going to be there. You'll find those answers. When I asked you a question about like, how did your family respond to your, uh, you coming out with your story? Though I spoke about my story, none of my family spoke to me so far. That's the reason I wanted to ask, like, how, how did your family respond to it? So far, I know my entire family have seen it because I have sent them messages about like, I'm, after publishing the episode itself, I gave them the video directly for them to watch it. Mm -hmm. I think they might have watched it. It's like, th that is the relative group, almost like 20, 25 people around the family were like in one WhatsApp group, I forwarded to them, but not even a single person responded to me in any way. I had to let my mom sit with me and I have to explain it to her like, yeah, this is what happened to me. Do you remember these conversations? Uh, happened between us when uh, I was in that age. She does remember the conversations, but she had no clue that that is what it is related to. Cool. So that, cool. that's why I wanted to ask you that question, like how did your family respond? Because not even a single person in my entire family has given me any sort of message or like even spoke to me about anything, nothing. They don't want to even acknowledge it happened. You know, um, I think you and I are going to relate to this we have to do it by ourselves. You know, we, we, it, it, there's a saying it's us against the world, but sometimes we need help. Yep. And so I went in it knowing that I may not, no one may, you know, I didn't, it didn't matter what, what had happened because I, for one, I didn't talk to my parents for nine years. So, you know, who cares? You know, this is, this is my story. It happened to me. I don't want, I didn't want my mom to feel victimized or my dad, you know, to be ashamed. Again, me and my father, we don't talk about it, but I know, you know, like when I look at him, there's a, there's a, there, there's something there. There's, and it's, it's, it's happiness. You know, um, my, my father, my, my stepfather, father is really a strong man. You know, he's only told me, I love you once. My grandpa, which is his dad said, men don't hug. We shake hands. So I grew up like that, you know, like, well, I remember I looked at him like, whoa, you know, I tried to hug him. He goes, no, 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 men shake, we don't hug. And I was like, wow, you know, so Do you different, different times. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you believe men should be like that? Our men can be vulnerable, they can cry, they can be soft. How do you, do you <laughs> I, that's, a, that's a great question. I would want to say, no, just because I, like, I don't like to cry. You know, I, I, I still to this day feel a sign of weakness. Um, oh, you when don't, I, want to, I don't personally like crying at all. Even I don't cry. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's something like you, it, it's, it's a defeat. I don't know why it, it just, I feel defeated, but I can watch like, this is us and want to cry, but I'll go to the bathroom and cry and then come back and my wife's like, you cried. And I'm like, yes, but I still don't like to cry in front of people and I won't, I'll, I'll hold it in. And I have this like burning sensation in my throat and my heart starts beating really fast, but I won't. So I think it's okay to cry. I, I, I know that when I cry or when I tell a story, it's like you do feel a weight off your shoulders, but 
I'm working on that. That is something that personally I want to be like, if I cry, I cry, who cares? But I'm not there yet. <laughs> I'm not there yet. <laughs> Do you want to be there? That's a real question. <laughs> <laughs> probably not yet. I'm not, that's why it's in the back burner. Those are the things I would like to do. So probably not. It's not on the list this year. <laughs> it's just, it's just not about crying or like yeah, showing that. It's it's definitely not a part of weakness. You can admit that now, I guess at least. Mm -hmm. Crying mm -hmm. is not part of weakness. But at least like the stigma around the man, like yeah, you have to be in certain way. You like you just gave your grandpa's example you can't go and hug man's just shake or like yeah you can't cry or all these stigmas around the man are they real do you want do you really suggest the man should be like it like that no uh i just talked about this on my episode this week uh when i talked to my father i actually called my stepfather crying and i said hey dad i want to let you know i love you you're my father thank you he didn't call back didn't even call back. That hurt the most. Uh, my mom got upset and said, hey, you know your son's hurt. My father called me today because I released it on Friday. She goes, son, you know I love you. I just, I can't say it. <laughs> and I think because that's the way my grandpa was. But it's not healthy. You know, and I said that like, this is 2021. You let your kids know. My best friend has two kids and divorced. He tells his son every day, I love you. He tells my goddaughter, I love you. I love that about him. You know, there's men out there that, that you don't have to be macho. Being macho is being able to provide for your family to make sure your kid's okay. There's a new way to be macho or to be manly. There's women out there that can outdo us. And those are strong people. My wife is very type A. You know, like sometimes she makes me want to cry just by her words. And I'm like, whoa. And that's, that's just, the, you know, the new, I want everyone to feel themselves, but no more stereotypes. That's why I love where we're at now. You know, I love the he for she. I love all the movements because that's what we needed to do a long time ago. And, yeah. and I think that, that, that that's going to just help us in many ways. And that's in every nationality across the board, everything. So, you know, I, I hope that our generation doesn't need to fill a man or be macho. It's, I think it's kind of dying down from, from a lot of people. I tell my son too, I mean, when he was fighting with the anger issues, I tell him like, if you really feel like crying, cry it out. I don't want to, you to hold up that anger, do unnecessary things, go all around the place. You know, you don't have to sit with me, talk to me and you cry out. I, I, I slowly started getting that used to him. And today he's fine talking about anything. He doesn't have to even cry now. Initially, there was a bit of crying here and there, and uh, he started slowly understanding, like, yeah, he doesn't have to feel that low or anything, and he's he, he's fine right now. So that's no. the reason I wanted to ask you, like, yeah, being, I can see my son growing up to your level, like, in the same path, I guess, like, having the same kind of experience, it may not be the sexual abuse is the only thing that he doesn't have, but yeah, he has gone through seeing me getting physical abuse or anything, so the same path. So I just wanted to ask you that question. No, no, I, I actually think you as a mother to catch those signs because you lived it and you breathe it. You don't want history to repeat itself. I'm pretty sure you've had the conversation and say, hey, you are not your father. You're not going to do what what he did. You're a, you're a man. You be yourself. And that's a good thing, because 
My mom never talked about it. You know, my mom never hit us after that, but she never talked about it. You know, when I would try to have that conversation, she would be like, go ask your dad. But never, you know, my, my dad was playing victim, said that he made my mom mad. But it didn't even help at the end of the day. So you are doing something positive. And I think that the fact that your son witnessed it and can come over at 21 years old and say, hey, mom, this is good. That, that just speaks, that speaks miles. That just, for what happened to us, that, that's what we want. You know, we want, you know, my mom said that two years ago that she can now go to bed knowing that her son's okay because of my wife. That's all I wanted because there were always fear. She was going to either get a call from jail or she was either going to say, Jesse got in a fight and he died. She always thought that. And now she's like, hey, my son's fine. I, I can go. And, and that's all, that's the biggest accomplishment that you could ever have. A love from a mom, a love from a wife, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. For me, I can say like, I got the same thing from my son. I never dated after I left my husband. It's been more than 15 years or so. I never oh. dated. I don't want anybody in my life. And my whole concentration is only on my son. And I tell him like, I mean, if I'm too much onto you, just let me know. I'll slow down because he should not feel like, yeah, she doesn't have any other life and she's just only onto me for everything. So I, I don't want them. But we got close to each other. And today, the, the work that I'm doing with this also, it is his idea. He's the That's one awesome. actually, yeah. three years back, I, I spoke about this to, um, in, in my video as well. Like three years back, I had, uh, he actually showed me a YouTube video where there were like 13 kids talking about their sexual abuse when they were teens. By watching that, I started crying. I, I'm, I don't even realize that I was crying. I was actually sobbing. And mm -hmm. he was like, I know that you even cry watching an anime film or anything. I do actually. <laughs> I, do, I do cry watching films and all. He was pulling me saying, like, I know that you cry for all those things, but this crying is so different. What is actually happening with you? And that's the first time I acknowledged there is something that happened to me in my childhood. And mm -hmm. the first person that I spoke to is my son. He was 17 years old at the time. I told him like, yeah, this is, I did not give any details or anything. I, I, all I could tell him is like something like this happened to me when I was mm -hmm. a child and it is still hurting me. When I see those kids, I know how hard it is for them to go through those kind of experiences. And he did not say a single word. He was, he hugged me and he said to me like, I don't know what the experience was, but right now you are safe with me. You are safe and I'm here for you. If you wanted to ever talk about it, I'm here. I'm here. That's when, better than, I'm sorry, go ahead. Sorry. I was, I was <laughs> good. That, that's better than your family, you know, that you got it from who you needed it. You know, that, that you're right. The next two months, all that, any type, any type of like a deep conversation, he just brings that topic in a very lighter way and say like, mom, if you wanted to talk, I'm here. If you, you know that, right? You know that, right? And he slowly made me to actually like, it, it was like a common thing kind of a topic. And he slowly made it like so easy for me to actually open up. I did not give the details to him, but I was able to acknowledge, like say those words, okay, it happened to me. I, I was able to acknowledge, admit that. And he was like, once I started getting comfortable, he, he started giving me this advice like, mom, I know that you have gone through a lot. It is just not about uh, your childhood. You have gone through your physical abuse, your divorce, your uh, whatever, all these things why don't you actually start talking about your story and somebody definitely might need help from you. And that's where this whole thing started and he's the one who's helping me. 
No, that that's and you never expected that. Like and 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 that's what I'm saying is that we both feel better. You know, your stories well, the reason why I'm on this show and I said it, you know, I wish we would record it. You made because we we lived it, it's easy to be a little bit more open where you may have said something wrong because you didn't experience and that's what it's about. You know, you you made this experience really simple and what you're doing is a good thing and that that's all, you know, we you, you said it best. We don't, it didn't need to be numbers. It didn't need to be victimized. We're just being ourselves and we're just letting know that things happen. And at the end of the tunnel, you know, you ended up having a son that's close to you. And I ended up, you know, being happy with no kids. It's just different, different roads, but we're both happy. So that, that, that that's what it's about. So yeah, absolutely. I always am going to say this is that don't, if you're a womanizer or you know, you like to cheat and blame it because of what happened or, or what you lived in the past. It's not healthy. You're not going to prove anything. You know, I told my wife I slept with a lot of women, and then it's not that nothing to be proud of because that's somebody's mo mom or someone's daughter, or some, you know, someone's sister. Um, Self-love is the hardest word that you're ever going to hear. You know, I didn't love myself. I didn't, you know, I was, I always said, I'm, but the advice that I give everyone is, I know you might not want to trust anybody. You probably don't even trust yourself, but when you find, you know, even if it's religion, your partner, a family member, friend, somebody's going to whisper in your ear and you're going to know that that person is going to be able to help you and take it and move on with it because it will be you deserve it. We all deserve it. Remember that if you were any type of abuse, it wasn't our fault. We had no control. We were kids. We were adults. We didn't see it coming. We deserve better. And that's what's going to happen to you. You're going to, you're going to be able to, when you can share that story, you're going to feel happy. And, and moms or fathers, if you see some suspicious activity, go with your gut. That's one thing. Don't, don't ignore it because it can mess a child up and tell your kids you love them. I, that was the most important thing. I wish that my parents would say they were proud of me. I didn't get that, you know. Tell them you love them. You know, you see this video right now, hug them and tell them you love them because that's what we need. Okay, thank you for tuning in. And you can find me on all the socials at Smitha Gunturi and the show notes for any resources mentioned. See you next week. Take care.